Revelation chapter 6. Some of you haven't had the uh, opportunity to be with us each week for almost, uh, let's see, nine weeks now. The ninth time we've been in this particular study, in the, and the study is entitled uh, Heaven and the Believer. And uh, what we are seeking to do here is study through God's Word and see what it says about heaven and how it relates to us as believers in Jesus Christ. We're not going with opinions, we're not going with speculations, we're not going with whatever was on the news last week. We're going with what God has to say about it. And uh, it has been a fascinating study. And if you want to catch up with us, we do invite you to uh, take advantage of our website. Uh, you'll find it in your bulletin listed up on the top of the uh, third page, I believe, at the top. But uh, there you will find the other eight messages that we've already walked through of our study of heaven. And I wish I could just start all over and, and fill you in on all that. But, well, that would take uh, eight extra hours, I think, almost. So uh, we're just going to start right where we left off last week. And uh, first we want to talk to our Lord and make sure that uh, uh, we are ready for his words. So please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a, a privilege it is to belong to you. When we hold your word in our hands this morning, it's not some archaic book. It's not some uh, profound thoughts that uh, have nothing to do with our lives. But it is your word that guides us each and every day. You wrote it to us that we might spend time in it and learn it and to learn to trust you more and to see what you would have for us as well. So this is a very important time for us in the activities of our week. We've done an awful lot this past week, Lord, but uh, right now we set everything aside because we're sitting at your feet. And here is your word before us. And I pray, Lord, that uh, as we are your children and as we are students of your word, that you might teach us, help us to understand, and, and excite us with these passages too, Lord, and, and uh, give us direction and show us what we ought to do. So thank you for each one here today. I pray your blessing on our time, and I pray indeed, like I have so many times before, that we will be different because we've spent time with you. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I, I have uh, thought this through just a little bit, and I'm sure I'm right. There are certain phrases that we are not going to hear during the rapture of the church. One of them being, I wish I had a few more minutes to pay that mortgage bill. I'm sure we won't be thinking that. Another one is, it's too bad we're going to miss the tribulation. I don't think we're going to be expressing that, too, on our way up. But there is come somewhat a bit, a bit of reality to that last thing I just said. Uh, not that we're going to feel left out of the tribulation period, uh, but putting all the biblical pieces together in a consistent, literal way, uh, we will miss out on the activities on this earth during the tribulation period. Now, we are going to talk about that tribulation period, and as I told you before, I'm just waiting for the weather to warm up a little bit more. Uh, before we start dealing with this kind of a topic. But we are pursuing what concerns you as a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, a member of the church, a member of the body and the bride of Christ. Uh, this concerns you, and this concerns heaven. And that's what is, our focus has been. Now, 
I've managed in our study up to this point to get us into heaven, uh, leading us event by event. I'm trying to stay chronological as we go through this study so we can see things as they come apart. And the last event we started, well, the first event we started with was the fact that we are departing from this earth. We have that in God's word, whether by death or by the rapture, there will be a departure point for all of us. We will leave this earth. We will be transported into heaven. We talked already about the award ceremony, which most people call the judgment of the believers. It's an award ceremony for service done. We've talked about the marriage of the Lamb to the church as well. Now, it's my belief, and I've showed you that somewhat as we've gone through here, but that the judgment of the believer and the marriage events that will take place they will take place at some time during the tribulation period. I believe that because as we've studied through these, these passages, uh, we know that they must be completed before Christ comes again to this earth at his second coming. Um, he will come with his bride. Revelation will show us in chapter number 19. He comes with his bride, and the ceremony had already taken place. She's already dressed in her wedding garb. Uh, the words say that she is wearing the righteous acts of the saints, which would imply simply to me from Revelation 19 that all these things have been accomplished. Second coming of Christ. All these events have already been done. So, we've been taking some, some peeks into the tribulation period, not so much what's going on here on this earth, because that's usually what captivates our attention. Revelation is full of that information, and we like to, to see what's going on. Um, but chapter 4 through chapter 19 also gives us a view of what's going on in heaven, too. Now, the reason why we're concerned about that is because, as a believer in Jesus Christ, we will be there. Now, wouldn't you like to know what the program calls for? We will be there. And that's why we're walking through this section of it at this time. Um, there are those who, who believe today, and uh, uh, they, they even teach today, that uh, God does not know the future. Or he's not too sure of it, perhaps. Uh, he knows maybe a few ideas of, that he'd like to see done, but he's not confident or he's not sure of what's all going to happen, as if he's waiting for us to decide it for him. Uh, there are some who believe that God doesn't really control the events of our world or of that of the future either. But I find it very interesting that the events we're about to see in the book of Revelation were given to us somewhere around the year 100 A.D., and it sure sounded like he knew what was going on and that he was in control. And we've had this information for nearly 2,000 years already. And I believe with all my heart that what he said, he will fulfill in every aspect, in every detail. And when we're there, we're going to say, Aha! He told us that. Aha! He showed us that. Aha! That's in his word too. God always keeps his promise. Ask anyone here from our VBS, any one of the kids, that was main point, wasn't it? God always keeps his promise, and he has made promises to us. Revelation is a book of promises. He will keep every single one of them. So, I'm confident of that. As I study through this, I'm not making up anything. I'm just reading to you what God has said. And that makes uh, my job somewhat easy, doesn't it? God's already said these things. So, 
These events include you and me. Now, I could lead you to these passages today, and I could show you in advance what you're going to be doing in heaven during the tribulation period. Let me remind you about the heaven we're talking about. It is a present heaven. It's the one that exists right now. It is the one that you're going to spend part of eternity in. Say, part of it? Yeah. It's a present heaven. It's temporary. Scripture says it will be replaced by a new heaven and a new earth. We're getting to that place in our study much later, but we started with it too. We know that the present heaven has a throne in it, which is the throne of God. Scripture is full of information on that. We know that the present heaven also has the true temple in it. Scripture even tells us that the temples that we've seen on this earth, in Jerusalem, the tabernacle as well, they were merely copies of the actual temple that does exist in heaven. And we've talked through some of that. So, if there is a temple there, it is a place of worship. And if there is a throne there, then it is a place of service to our God and to our King. So, we know some of the things just by nature of what will be there, of what we will do. We will worship Him and we will serve Him. And that's the first aspect we've talked about it. But it's a temporary place. The best part about all of this that I've shared with you, and I emphasized last week, is this. All of eternity can be summed up in a simple phrase, we will be together with Christ forever. We will be with Christ, together with Christ, forever. A couple of promises we hang on to. John 14, verse number 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. Wherever he is, we will be there. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17. Those who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we always be with the Lord. I love those phrases. I love them. Wherever the Lord is, that's where we'll be, always, together. That's the emphasis of eternity. And I don't mind repeating that to you, as I said last week. This is true. And since it is true, I asked you a big question. How much time are you spending with Him now? You're going to live forever with Him. Have you spent any time with Him this morning? Have you spent any time with Him this past week? Are you going to spend time with Him this week? Do it intentionally. You're spending eternity with Him. So get in the practice. It's a good practice to have. So, we've walked through all that, and the, and the Bible is leading us to discover more and more what heaven has to be, but it has a focal point. It, it, it's, its attention is drawn to a throne. That's what we're looking at. A throne. It should be that way now. Colossians 3 verse 1. Keep seeking things above. Where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. But it will be that way when we're there. In case you wonder. What do you do all the way through heaven? Well. You've got to focus on the throne of God. That's going to be our desire. That's going to be what we want to do. Now. Last week we spent some time in chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Revelation, found that to be true. We're going to pick up here in chapter number 6 this morning. And again, he keeps giving us these peaks into heaven so we can know what our future is all about. 
And I'm going to try to stay up on the heavenly uh, realm of things when we go through these chapters today. So that will be our focus. Chapter 6. When I saw, then I saw the Lamb. He broke one of the seven seals. And I heard one of the four living creatures saying, with a loud voice of thunder, come. I looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. This starts the, the judgments that uh, will fall upon the earth during the tribulation period. They have three series of judgments. There are seal judgments, and then there are trumpet judgments, and then there are bowl judgments. And they intensify as they go. And we're going to focus on that someday. But as we think about these judgments, we say, yeah, the tribulation is a time of judgment. We will be standing up in, in heaven at this time when the Lamb, our Lord Jesus Christ, takes that book we talked about in chapter 4 and 5, and He breaks the seals. And each time He breaks the seal, a judgment comes forth from there. And that's what He's explaining here in chapter number 6. And as we watch, listen, you, you can hear sounds of, of voices as he says, these four living creatures are the voice of thunder. And then we see a seal broken and we see this white horse come out and somebody on it with a bow and with a crown and he heads off in order to bring about judgment. We're saying, wow, that's kind of impressive, isn't it? And then all of a sudden in verse number 3, when, I, when he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come! And another, a red horse went out and he who sat on it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and to him a great sword was given. So we see another seal broken, and, and out comes another horse, and we say, whoa, that's impressive, and, and off it goes for judgment. Each one just launching their way out as he sends them off into judgment. Verse number 5, and he broke the third seal, and a third living creature said, come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like the voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not damage the oil and the wine. And the lamb breaks the fourth seal. Now, you start going through this and you say, Well, this is pretty impressive. Wait till we see it. Breaks them open and we see these judgments go forth from his throne. Each one, one after the other. We hear voices going. We hear these creatures, these four living creatures speaking. We're looking with John and we see these things coming before us and marching off into this, this judgment. Very impressive. Very impressive. I move you down to verse number 9. There's seven of these seals that are being broken up. But the fifth one is very interesting. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed, even as they have been, would be completed also. Here's our first look at a new group. 
We've been up in heaven a little while now. I'm trying to put this chronologically. We're there standing before the Lord. We have gone through our judgments perhaps by this time. We're wearing the garb of of the reward. We're wearing the wedding garment as the bride would be. Just as everything is described in Scripture. And all of a sudden these judgments start breaking out. And we notice over there to the side a group of people we've never seen before. Different group. Who are these people? You start looking at them and say, well, they're different. And matter of fact, they're not all here yet. Some of them are still waiting to, to gather, but some of them are gathering and they're starting to meet. You have had your first glimpse of the tribulational saints. You're going to be there looking and say, oh, look at this group. I've never seen anyone like that before. Who are these? Tribulational saints. Now, I think it's very appropriate that that be seen right there. Because at this point, there's going to be a question start to raise, perhaps even up in heaven, I'm not sure. But chapter 6 and chapter 7 start to describe these judgments on the earth, and they are terrible, absolutely terrible things that are going to take place on this earth. The question is going to be raised, is anyone going to survive this? Is anyone going to respond to the word of the Lord? Is anyone going to believe? Is there hope anywhere? Chapter 6, verse 17. Here's the question. For the great day of the wrath has come, and who is able to stand? We're going to start to wonder, is this going to, is, is anything good going to come out of all this? And then we got this glimpse of a new group of people. A new group of people. Who are they? Well, We're going to find out more about them in a few minutes. But notice them, all right? Notice them. They're standing right over there. We notice them in heaven where we get there. Chapter 7, he goes through more of the the, uh, tribulational events. And, And again, I'm trying not to focus what's going on on earth so much as what's going on in heaven. And so we start with chapter 7, verse 1. I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth holding back the four winds of the earth so that no one, no wind would blow on the earth nor on the sea nor any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun having the seal of the living God and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. Then he goes through a description of these individuals in verse 4 to verse number 8. Now, this is going on too, but jump down to verse number 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the Lord and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I recommended this last week. I'll say it again. You better memorize verse 12. You need it up there. Notice, all of a sudden, there's this group, a great multitude. Notice who they represent in verse number 9. Every nation, all the tribes, all the peoples, all the tongues. You're saying, okay, that sounds like the church, doesn't it? 
Sounds like the believers. Well, I think you could say that's probably a good representation of believers in every tribe and nation and tongue and people and so on. But this is a unique group. This is a unique group. And everyone's responding the same way. They're calling praise to God because of this group. What about this group? Verse 13. One of the elders answered and says to me, Oh, where did I miss that? Okay. These who are clothed in the white robes, who are they? Where have they come from? And I said to him, My Lord, you know. <laughs> Which is a way of another way of saying, I have no clue. Alright? Who are these people? They're, they're not among the, the believers of the church. The church is standing over here. All the churches here. Who is this group coming from? They're different. What are they? He says, I don't know. Who are they? And he says to me in verse 14, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For there is reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will spread His tabernacle over them. They will hunger no longer, nor thirst any more. Nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb is the center of the throne, will be their shepherd, and will guide them to springs of waters of life, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. You see this group come. They start to assemble before us. We say, who are these people? Who are these people? There are those who will be saved during the tribulation period. The question before was, is there anything that could come out of this? Will anyone survive? Is there any hope? What do you think? A great multitude of believers will come from this time period. And we're going to watch them start to uh, gather as heaven's newest occupants, saints of the tribulation. They aren't the church. They aren't the bride of Christ. They're not the body of Christ. They're a different group altogether. We will be introduced to these new believers, and, and many of them will be martyred in their day. But we will witness their arrival. What an impressive scene this is. I especially like the end of verse number 17 where it says, And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. That is the first reference in heaven where God does that. We'd already been there a while. It's going to be referenced one more time too, later. But this is the first time it references that he does that very thing. Now, you say, okay, this is, this is all pretty impressive. Now what? Chapter 8 starts something absolutely amazing. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Stop and think for a second. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Do you can you even imagine how startling that silence is going to be? Quite a, a number of years ago, I was up at uh, Niagara Falls. Very impressive place if you haven't been there. If you have your windows down well over a mile away, you can hear it. The sound is just thunderous as you get closer and closer to those falls. They have a museum there. And for some reason, uh, they want to display all those barrels that people got in and went over the falls in. Um, there are some pretty interesting ideas in padding and things like that that they stuck. They just had all these displays in, in that museum. But over on the wall, they had a newspaper article of the day that the ice jammed up the river 
and the fall stopped for a few moments. And the reaction of the people thought, they thought the world had come to an end. They weren't used to silence. And all of a sudden there was silence at the falls. They said, must be over. Of course, the ice broke through and guess what? Started all over again. Could you imagine the scene in heaven where there are angels who stand around the throne of God all day long, all the time, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah tells us about that in chapter 6. These angels, these seraphim, that's their job. That's all they've done. That's all they do is circle around the throne saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. There are angels constantly worshiping Him. There's Old Testament saints there worshiping Him. There's church age saints that we will be there worshiping Him. There's the tribulational saints joining in and also worshiping before His throne. Does it sound like a quiet place? It won't be. It's not quiet at all. You know, it's wonder. A lot of that's going on even now. And you say, well, how does the Lord ever hear my prayers? With all that sound up there. And it's full of sound. And all of a sudden, it all stops. For 30 minutes. Now, if you like suspense, this is really building, isn't it? Suspense. What? Can you imagine? Praises stopping? Angels stopping their activity? No songs being heard? Moses, we were talking about this on on Wednesday night, Moses went up to a burning bush and God said, now take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. I don't know what this is about to be, but it sure sounds holy to me. What do you do? Such an awesome scene as this. Now, folks, I'm just telling you, we won't get bored in heaven. In case you're wondering, there's so much activity going on there that even when everything stops, we're going to be anchored and focused to that throne. What is next? This is impressive. So now you've got to know. All right. So bypass some of the events here. We're going to look at this. Um, But in chapter number 8, it says, There was silence in earth on heaven for about half an hour, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And this other angel comes in verse number 3, and stood at the altar holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints of the golden altar that were before the throne. And the smoke of the incense... With the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. The angel took the censer, filled it with fire of the altar, and threw it to the earth. Now there's all kinds of sounds that go with that. All kinds of things that happens here on this earth. We're going to bypass that. Matter of fact, this scene all the way up through chapter number 11 speaks of these judgments that are just now about to be poured out. If, if God gets quiet for a half hour before these judgments, does it sound like they're going to be pretty severe? Pretty severe. March all the way to chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse number 14. We're not going to make it through the tribulation today. I just looked at the clock. But we're getting along. Chapter number 11. Let's start in verse 15. And this is the next scene that we will see. Then the seventh angel sounded... 
And there was loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sit on the throne before God fell on their faces and worshipped God. Have you noticed how often that phrase pops up? Fell on their faces and worshipped God. Fell on their faces and worshipped God. Every time they do that, I think a whole bunch of other people join in. I always thought heaven's going to be full of a lot of plopping sounds. <laughs> Boom! Down we go. Boom! Down we go. We're going to have an awful lot of falling before the throne. Gladly falling before the throne. And what are they saying again? We give you thanks, O God, the Almighty, who are, who were, because you have taken the great power and you reign. That's actually the Greek phrase here. You rule, you reign. And the nations were enraged. Your wrath came, and the time for the dead to be judged, and the time to reward your bondservants and the prophets and the saints, those who fear your name, the small and the great, and to destroy those who destroy the earth. He talks about the, the season is now, Lord. The season is now. Not just for us in heaven to recognize that you are God forever and ever, but it's time for the world to see it too. The time is now. And judgment is just on the corner. And the judgment of the Old Testament saints, the prophets, and all those, that's just on the horizon too. It's a season for it. And we will know it. We will anticipate that, and we will join in and say, Now, Lord, now let's do that. In verse 19, the temple of God, which is in heaven, was opened, and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple. And there were flashes of lightning, and sounds, and peals of thunder, and an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. Wow. You're going to see it. That's impressive. As I walk through this, that's impressive. I started with the question, pretty much the thoughts of our day and age, is that our God doesn't know the future. Our God's not in charge. He's not in control of things. I've read to you the passages that he had us, had recorded for us. Now, let me ask you, does our God know the future? Does it sound like he's in charge? What are the very words of those who will be standing in heaven? You reign forever and ever. They're used to saying that. But I would even recommend this. Start living like that. Because He hasn't changed. If He's ruling then, do you think He's ruling now? Absolutely so. Absolutely so. There's so much more. I've got more but we've got next week still I just want to bring you to to three things I'm going to ask you to do and some of this is repetitious I know but three things I want you to set your focus on this week keep looking up Colossians 3 verses 1 through 4 says therefore if you have been raised up with Christ keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on the things that are on this earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, 
is revealed, then you will also be revealed with Him in glory. Reset your focus. Reset your focus. Keep looking at Him. That's one thing I encourage you to do. Second one is the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We've been down this road before, but let me remind you, keep serving. Keep serving. He says at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Don't stop. What you're doing in His name now, keep doing it. Sometimes we look into the future, we see all these events, and whether we're scared by them or excited by them, we, they captivate our attention and we kind of stop what we're doing. Don't stop what you're doing. Keep serving Him. And I would even say intensify it. Do you feel that He's coming soon? You, we better get started. If we're not doing much now, get started. The Thessalonians got that message over and over. Excel still more. We can do better, can't we? Keep serving. Keep serving. One more thing. I have you looking up. I have you serving continually and keep on doing that. And in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 3, he also tells us one more thing to do. And I put it simply in two words. Keep clean. Keep clean. We know we live in a, a world that's not clean, don't we? We know that. Keep clean. This is why he says this. Verse 2 he says in 1 John 3, Beloved, we are now children of God, and it has not appeared yet what we will be. We know when, we, when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as He is pure. Those three things we're asked to do in Scripture. Keep looking. Keep serving. Keep clean. Now you have a week to practice. Next week we'll talk about it again. Heavenly Father, we bow before you here this morning. We just had a small glimpse today. A small glimpse of, of things that are going to take place in heaven. Things that we will participate in. Things that we will witness with our own eyes. Your word has aligned it that way and told us that. And uh, so we are learning that so we know what to expect. But Lord, this is not just... Uh, to satisfy our curiosity. This is not just to give us plans for the future, but it's to affect our lives today. We live in a world that does not recognize who you are. We live in a world that doesn't walk according to your truth. We have a world around us that doesn't believe in you, Lord. But we do. We do. And as your children, you've called us to keep our eyes on you. And we want to. And we ask for your help today, Lord. Please give us that, that strength to keep our eyes on you this week. Lord, we have a world around us that, that has no desire to serve you whatsoever. But we've been called to serve you. And you ask us and tell us, keep on serving. It's not in vain. Serve you. And I pray, Lord, that again, as, as we think this through that you might give us the strength to serve you all the more. And Lord, you know as well as we do, and you know even better, the condition of our world and how dirty this place is. We've been told to keep clean, keep pure, 
And I pray, Lord, that you help us with that too. These three things, they're going to change our lives if we will do them. And so I stand before you, Lord, as well as this whole entire congregation today, whether they're regulars among us or visitors, we just stand before you, Lord. And this is what you've told us to do. Keep looking, keep serving, keep clean. Encourage us with these words, Lord. Change us that our Mondays and Tuesdays might be different this week, that our Wednesdays and Thursdays might be to your honor and glory, that the rest of the days that you give to us might be to your praise. Help us to keep our eyes on you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.